This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Fonslow, and today, I think he's just trying to be a regular on here. I don't know what his ulterior motive is, but I got some fresh meat. Mr. Brian Pollock, he is the lead technician for kind of a group of shops under uh, one owner, and he's, by uh, his own admission, the guy for all three. He's the lead technician, so he's uh, helping everyone else. Uh, do their jobs better and then he still tries to bill some hours out and then the returning guest is a little known youtuber Uh, he's got a little channel growing Uh, his name is paul danner and the channel's name is scanner danner if you've ever heard of it before Um, but i do recommend joining thanks for having me back yep (laughs) he has a website that is well worth your uh, while to peruse and uh, subscribe. He puts up a lot of content regularly. It is quality content. It's one of those uh, places I talk about where you can go get good information and somebody in front of the camera that just levels with you. We can't get enough of that. Glad to be back. I'm glad to be doing this one with Brian. Mm-hmm. I'm, a little, I'm a little nervous, a little nervous. And before we turned the, the, the mics on, I asked Brian, I said, you sure we want to do this? A lot of people are going to judge, you know? Mm-hmm. I told Brian and Matt, I'm like, we can just back out on this one. Let's do something <laughs> else. I'm sure the three of us could come up with something people would want to hear about, you know, how to build diagnostic time. You know, that'd be a great one, right? We can we can bail. You sure, Brian? This no, is your last, I'm good. This is your last shot. I'm good. Are you sure? Yep. Yep. I think this that- is Brian's story. Matt and Matt invited me here just because Brian and I were the ones that were talking about this on the way back from ASTE 2022 event. And Brian shared this story with me and I was part of it along the way. And so this is Brian's. I'm just here to moderate like Matt so <laughs> to be clear on. I'm here to stay out of the way and read pre-rolls because I am going to thank our sponsor quick Napa Auto Care. It's no secret we're facing a technician shortage. Napa Auto Care is addressing that. The free two-year apprentice program offers a variety of training to produce a technician with three ASC certifications. To learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com. All right, so I did my part. Um, (laughs) It's a rough subject, but I kind of agree with you too that some of these rough subjects are the ones that need to be talked about and kind of out in the open. And you're going to be really opening up your personal life to us. And that takes a tremendous amount of bravery on your part. And I, I wholeheartedly believe, like you said, it will help people. Yeah, I hope it does. The only thing I really want to preface it with, you know, this is a subject where I'm sure people listening have maybe been through a similar situation. And I wouldn't want to imply that if they handled it differently, that they handled it wrong. I do want to make that very clear up front that if somebody went through a situation similar to this and they handled it, I don't know if there's a right answer for how to handle it. Um, Yeah. And all all, all we're doing is putting a highlight on a story that this is what can happen, you know, with probably going against the grain of what most would do. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And see the result, see the result of this path. You know, we've all seen the result of the other one. It's families torn apart and you know, that's what we're going to be talking about. So it's just another perspective and, and that's a real story. And, you know, maybe if, if I get a chance at the very end, 
I want to share a little bit of something that my mom did with my stepfather, just real brief that I share with Brian, mm-hmm. another forgiveness type story, hugely impactful for my family. And as this one is with Brian, yeah, it's kind of tough to just jump into it, Brian, but you, you had some marital problems. Yeah. My wife and I have been married since uh, 2013, October of 2013. We got married early in 2021. Our things were great. There were no perceived problems that I was seeing. She never would say anything, that anything was a problem. Everything was going good. And um, one Friday, I came home from work. She dropped a bomb on me. She said that uh, that she had been having an affair for two months and um, that she was pregnant. I had had uh, a vasectomy, so I was unable to get her pregnant. So she was obviously pregnant from this other guy. I guess you never know how you're going to react to that because nobody sits around thinking about how they'll react to that. Uh, My reaction was most definitely was not fly off the handle. I'm not really a fly off the handle person. You know, I needed like an hour. I said, okay, let me think about this. And I came back to her and I said, well, I said, this is pretty, it's pretty obvious what we need to do here. We are going to go to marriage counseling to get this sorted out. And also, even if you do kind of think about it, Like I would be somebody that thinks about stuff like that. I have scenarios built up in my head. I've quote unquote lived through. I was definitely blindsided. Um, Things were going that great. I didn't have a scenario built up for that. I never thought I would deal with it. But then when it happens, the way you respond might be completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're pretty shell shocked. I had told her at right at that time, I said, we need to go to marriage counseling and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take care of this child. This is, you know, this isn't the end yet. We can, we can work through this. How, how do you do that? That was one of my <laughs> questions to you is like, how, um, how do you do that? You know what I mean? I, I remember you calling me and, and us discussing this. And I remember hearing your heart right from the get go that you were going to do whatever it took mm-hmm. to keep your wife. Well, I love it. And you know, I mean, most people aren't going to do that. I cheated on you. I'm pregnant yeah. with another dude's baby. Yeah. People are going to question you right here, right here, right now. You're going to hear shit from people that are like, why would you do that with an attitude? Yeah. Yeah. And I I heard it plenty at the time from some people. Luckily, I had it from uh, you heard it from. Can can I say who? Sure. It was her father. Yeah. That's the least likely uh, person you'd think that that would be coming from was her father. Mm -hmm. So I'm yeah. sorry. This year's no, no, no. Because you know what, Paul? I'm still blown away by it, Brian. You know so. what happens though is it's good that you're here to bring up those little things because when you go through something traumatic, sometimes your brain like I have a really a relatively clear recollection, but for a long time, you know, you're like running on adrenaline and get get. So it's good to have somebody that you know. I, and your kids are young. Let's tell the tell the yeah. people listening. Um, your kids are young. Yep, yeah. Anna's young. eight. Uh, Ron is six and Sam just turned five. And then obviously we have the baby. We have Aria too. So anyways, um, that's what I tell her. You know, I say on Friday night, I said, this is what we're going to do. Come to find out she was struggling with a lot of shame over the whole situation. Like she couldn't believe that she had put us in this situation and how stupid was the whole thing. But anyhow, that was Friday. Saturday morning rolls around and I'm like, so what did you what did you figure out? You know, are we, are we going to do this or what? And uh, this is when the real blow was, right? Like, like I thought the real blow was Friday. But um, by Saturday afternoon, she had packed her suitcase and rolled it out the door. 
the three kids were sitting down watching television. I do remember that part like it was yesterday. She packed a little, like a suitcase with some roller reels that's small enough to carry on. And she, uh, she rolled it right past the kids out the door, you know. Did you feel or do you feel or in retrospect, was she leaving because of the shame of what had transpired, the, the affair and the pregnancy, or she was done with you? At the time, I felt she was done with me. At the time, it was the most humiliating experience of my life. I don't know if anybody's ever been through that. I think a lot of people are fortunate to not have, and a lot of people are unfortunate where they have been. And it's a very humiliating and demasculating experience. I can add to from my memory, she cut everyone off. Yes. It wasn't just Brian. Yeah. It was literally every single person in her life. Yeah. She cut off. Yeah. We we learned too, I don't know if it's too early to say this, but we learned that she's had some problems in the past. Yeah. Correct? Yeah, right. Like yeah. You learned that she even disappeared one time in her younger years yeah. before you. Mm-hmm. That had to do with her family situation. I mean, she had some abuse in her. Yeah. And like not, not physical. Like, I think when people hear the word abuse, Dude, they hear mental yeah. abuse is worse than yeah. physical. I'd rather take a beat, rather take a beating. It's always hard to explain. Like my, my parents had some pretty high expectations when we were growing up as far as how we were to act and everything like that. But like her and I have gone through a, a ton of counseling and you hear like some of the stuff she went through and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, you you learned a lot about her dad through this process. Yes. Like you didn't know, you didn't know the extent of what she had gone through. And that's not me. I'm not making excuses nope. for her. I'm only just, I'm only just saying some of the rationale behind honestly to help you too, brother. It wasn't just you, you know what yeah. I mean? It wasn't just clear. It probably makes it easier to internalize all of that when you know it, it wasn't just you. It was everyone. Yeah. She's packing up at the time. You're pretty sure she's done with you. Is, is she taking the kids too? the three? Oh no. And it's not like she was, she was never around during that time. She was gone as far as, I mean, like she left and it's not like she never talked to the kids or anything, but she most definitely was not taking the kids with her to where she was going. And that was not my decision. That was, that was her decision. Although it would have been my decision had been given to me, but like, I don't want to twist this at all to me, but it might help. I hope it helps a little bit that episode 25, I talked to Brandon Steckler and there's some parallels uh, that I went through that you went through. Yours is, you know, different, definitely different, definitely different outcome, but up to a certain point, like I totally feel what you're talking about. Like, and it it sucks. It totally sucks to kind of have a, I'm not saying I know how you felt or feel. No, no. But when you go from kind of like, you know, being the provider and, you know, going from being the provider to going to, uh, you know, I, I had to turn into the everything real quick. You had some good help from friend, from her yes. friends, like all of her girlfriends, yeah. right? Yeah, it was it was so yeah. strange. So I uh, like in marriage, you have boundaries. Like some of her girlfriends or whatever that you know, like we would know their families, but like I would never for any reason text any of them or anything like that. Like once a year, they would text me like something funny they saw that they think I should see. It was so crazy, man. The Saturday she left, she left at like probably around like eleven in the morning. Dude, at one in the afternoon, 
her one girlfriend texts me this thing that they're casting people for some Amish thing or something like that. And like, I look on my phone and the last text message from Tanya, this is like, this is 2021. And the last text message I had from Tanya was like 2019. I am a believer. I am a Christian. Like some people will go around acting like things talk to them. Like I'm not that dude. Like I'm not overly spiritual. But you bet your butt, I picked up the phone and called her the minute I read that text message. You know, because at this point, nobody knew about it. I didn't know what I was going to do. I I had no idea she was going to leave. When I got home from work, I had no arrangements made. My son Sam was in preschool. He needed to be driven to school three days a week. He was only there for a half day those three days. You know, I had a ton of stuff going on. And I just had, I had so many friends that freaking scrubbed in so hard. Your boss was key too, though. Wasn't he was awesome during this process. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. I went from working, you know, fifty-five hours a week banging stuff out to like working thirty-five, like literally the next week. Yeah, exactly. Like it was like. Boop. I bet your pay wasn't reflected. Either. I saw no difference in pay whatsoever. You shop owners listening to this podcast. Yeah. That's that's you need stuff you need to pay attention to. You don't know what's going on in a technician's life. You know, yeah. you have no idea. You have no idea. Get involved. Find out what's going on when you see a drop in production. Yeah. You know, for me, props to him, man. I don't even know. Yeah, me and my shop owner are pretty close. So, you know, after after Tanya found out, he he found out. You know, he got the call Saturday afternoon. I talked to Jim. Him and I, we've been working together for oh gosh, well we opened we opened the shop in August of 2010. So we've been working together at least that long. Yeah. So presumably she's leaving to go be with the other yeah, guy. Yeah, she uh, went and moved up into his. Uh, what he had for living arrangements, which was a, which was a trailer, basically, which is always that's always tough too, right? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of uh, just stunned at the parallels of this story. The biggest difference is she didn't admit to anything; she was just out. It wasn't like the uh, some NFL star or something like that. It was somebody with no car, no suitable living arrangements for children. It, it was just it was really. Bizarre, and I think Paul remembers. You know, I I told him I I think that Paul and I had this conversation many times. Like, you know, Paul, I, I didn't even know how I got there. I go, she was an outstanding wife, an outstanding mother, and then all of a sudden, just like that, like there were no signs. You know, in retrospect, do you see signs? I do, and I don't. And one one of the things that her and I have really worked on in counseling is our communication. There was no real signs, and the reason for that was, um, you know, some of her childhood. You didn't tell the man of the house that you had a problem. Yeah, like you said, like, you know, do I look back on it now and see, like, there was signs? No. no. It took us a while to get there, but she's finally to the point where she's like, yeah, I didn't, I, you know, I was unhappy with a few things we had going on, and I literally said nothing, and instead of talking about it, just vented to other people about it until she made a very poor decision. How does she meet the guy? Like, how does this even start? And I, I, we don't need details, but um, she worked with him and uh, he had no car. This is crazy. The parallels. And it just makes me wonder like how many are listening going very similar thing happened. One of the first things I did was um, that Monday, I actually, one of, one of her friends like got childcare arranged and she was like, all right, Brian, go to work and that I made it to like 10 a.m. Monday and I'm like I no, I got like stuff to do like this isn't I can't I, I told my boss I said I can't work this week I go I got a lot of stuff to get through and he understood I went and got a lawyer 
one of the better ones in our area, arguably the best one in our area. As much as we like to think about lawyers as being slimy, the dude was like, listen, he's like, tell me what's going on. I told him the whole shoot match. He's like, all right. He's like, here's what you want to do. You're going to file for temporary custody. She's going to be back. They always want to come back. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, do you think I haven't heard this story 400 times? That's exactly what he said to me. And I don't know his faith. I don't know if he's a believer or not or whatever, but that's that's exactly what he said to me. He's like, she'll be back. He's like, they're always back. He's like, sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's a month, sometimes it's six months. They're always back. I wasn't banking on that by any means. I was like, well, just make sure that, you know, my kids have to legally stay with me. I didn't have a problem with her having visitation. Obviously, she was the mother of the kids. That's not an issue. Yeah, and I think it goes both ways, you know, not just uh, women having affairs, but men too, that you end up working with people longer than you spend time with your significant other. And once you start kind of opening up, you know, hey, what's wrong? Oh, you know, me and the husband, me and the wife had a fight. And oh, really, what about? And they don't pry too much. But over time, it's just like, ah, you know, if I had somebody like you, I would treat you. I can't believe they treat you that way. I can't believe they don't trust you. And it's just. Yeah, he was he was going to take care of her. All the things we used to say to our wives when we dated them. <laughs> yeah, right. We don't. After yeah. 25 years, yeah. we come home from work from a long day and work has been stressful and sympathy for ourselves. And we, we come home and we don't, I'm not saying that was you, Brian. I'm not saying that was the catalyst, but that, that is one of the main oh, I, ones. I that think I definitely drive a woman into another man's arms. Yeah. It has to do with somebody's finally listening to her. Yeah. You know, somebody's, yeah, I think that he's paying attention. You there's know? definitely some improvements I've made. Yeah. Is it night and day different for what you do now when you come home from work from what it was before? Can you like compare those two? Uh, I don't know if I would say night and day. There's definitely a difference when she's ready to talk about what's going on or, you know, how her day was or whatever. Like the freaking phone goes down, the laptop shuts. You know what I mean? That's something I need to do. I don't know how to do that. It's hard. Me. It's hard when you get over involved and you're uh, in our field. I think that a lot of guys in our field suffer from that, right? There's 947 Facebook groups to talk about all aspects. And you of bring your right. job home with you, <laughs> you know, trying to research stuff too on top of yeah. for what you saw, oh, yeah. what you did, and help for the next day. So you know, time's going by, and it's not like I don't know. It's not like this hostile thing. I did what every guy does in the breakup. I uh, went on Facebook and found out which of my friends wanted some weights out of their basement and lost a hundred pounds real quick. That sounds familiar. Doesn't it, Matt? That's very, very familiar. That divorce diet works. It works like gangbusters. Yeah. I was running off a lot of a general and I was up at four 30 in the morning to exercise and I was finishing up getting backpacks ready for the next day and folding laundry at 11 o'clock at night, you know, yep. Lost a hundred pounds, ran a 5k and time's going on and I was doing pretty good. And it's one of those things, I think it was a real learning experience for me. I wasn't by any means happy that it happened, but I did kind of find myself and realize that, you know, hey, this isn't the end of the world. You know, you're getting along just fine. You know, it got to the point, you know, the first month I need a lot of outside help. Then the next month it was less. And, you know, by the time month three came around, I was pretty much self-sufficient. You know what I mean? I was needing no help from the outside whatsoever. I was able to get the kids to the babysitter. I was able to get them to school. You 
you're just the man, dude. I love you, man. <laughs> I love you too, Paul. That's a big deal. What you did. I watched you do it. I refer to it as the uh, stretch of my life where I ran on straight adrenaline for a couple months, you know. You know, I just focused on doing what's right, you know. It's a small town. But, People uh, And you never badmouth her to your kids. No, not so anybody. It was, him, it was like daddy camp time for the kids. It was hard. It was the way it was hard, man. I know. It was hard. I remember my yeah. daughter, she goes, Daddy, you know what I want for Easter? And I said, no, honey, what do you want? And she goes, I want Mommy and you to get back together. Anna's eight now. I think she was six at the time. That was freaking tough, man. Sam was three. So I remember he was in preschool. So Ron would have been five and Anna would have been six. The uh, three and five-year-old, what's their memory of this? I know your oldest one. Well, my oldest one's um, a girl. I think she remembers a little bit more, which I've had her in counseling for. She's good. It was now. a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it was a big deal for her when mom left. You know, yeah. that was tough when mom left. And I think the hardest part was me was uh, with me was looking at my son Sam and you know realizing he's three years old and mom isn't in the house anymore. You know, and that was hard. And you never bad mouthed her to that. I didn't, and that's because I knew she was going through something. Like, how do you not bad mouth her? You know. It was tough some days. Most most men would be asking that question, and myself included. Yeah, you know, like I don't think not to your kids. I know, I know you don't do that, but like in your heart, you're just so angry. You're so hurt. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I was, I was definitely. She angry. cheated on me. She's pregnant with this other du- dude's baby, and and I'm not going to talk bad about my wife in front of my children. I definitely avoided it. Like I never, I made sure that there was never anything on social media ever talking about you know yeah you didn't you just asked for help yeah you know in general and i you know i remember seeing a lot of the comments and support from the guys yeah i just uh the only way i could deal with the anger was to lift weights because if i'm around the kids i can't be angry i can't be a good leader at work if i'm angry the fact that you didn't it gave your children a place of rest in this whole thing imagine losing your mommy and then daddy's freaking out and daddy's not the same, but guess what you did for them? You were the same. And then some yeah. for your kids. And I, I mean, that's remarkable. The younger two, it's like, it didn't even happen. Maybe it sounds yeah, like your older one, you, you took them to counseling and, and within a, a year or so she's doing really well. Yeah. And you're a big part of that. You, you deserve some praise for well, how you handled it. I don't, I, I mean that. Uh, it's always hard for us to to accept that, you know, the praise. Are you a repair shop owner? Do you find yourself struggling with any of the following? Uncertainty about the future and competition. Are you spending too much time managing chaos and struggling with new employees? Do you lack time to invest in learning best practices or there's no time to spend on effective marketing? How do your finances look? Are you reactive rather than proactive? Do you know where you should be, when to grow, when to shrink? If any of those situations describe where you are today, you are finally in the right place. Repair Shop of Tomorrow is Napa Auto Care's newest endorsed partner. They are helping shops all over the nation run more profitable automotive repair shops by utilizing proven business best practice marketing and coaching to leverage Napa programs to drive quality, car count, sales, and profits. Repair Shop of Tomorrow will look at productivity, efficiencies, effective labor rate, average hours per car, labor profit percentage, measure and manage labor, 
and how you can create net profit. Team up with coaches to create systems, operations, and procedures using a business flowchart to help you reach your goals. Repair Shop of Tomorrow will help measure and manage the results to help each business succeed. Best of all, it's not do-it-yourself. It's all done for you. Their goal is to help dealers do what they do best, fix cars and build relationships at the counter and in the community. Repair Shop of Tomorrow will take the other minutiae off your plate. The Repair Shop of Tomorrow offers a tier-based program to not only generate more business today, but to transform your shop into a top-level shop of tomorrow. Repair Shop of Tomorrow can teach you how to make your shop profitable. They can teach you how to recruit and how to make more labor dollars for your shop. Interested in Repair Shop of Tomorrow? Call 440-545-1230 for a free 20-minute no-obligation consultation or contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store. Well, it's for the kids too, but it's for all the adults you know too. Like you set an example that most don't follow just to keep your head in it. You became what you needed to be and you did it. And then you did the morally right thing to just not talk total smack about her to the kids and to anyone that would listen. I agree with Paul. Like there, you can't heap enough praise on you for that because it's so hard to do. Yeah, and I'm I'm not trying to act like there were moments where I wasn't angry, you know. There's a lot of times I was angry. I got I got a punching bag in the garage that I punched off the ratchet strap that hauled it up, you know, three times in a year, you know what I mean? I tried to just stay focused. In my head I'm like, all right, what is the right thing to do here? Towards the end, like I wasn't necessarily waiting for her to come back. Like a couple of months, like three months had gone by and I was like, this is what this is, you know, and then um, some friends decided I need a night out, need a night out or whatever. And so I went out with the guys and the girls stayed and watched the kids. And, you know, I came home, one of her uh, girlfriends had taken the uh, taken our wedding picture off the wall. They had made some nice pictures of the kids and, you know, kind of replaced some pictures or whatever. And I didn't. At the time, I didn't really know how I felt about that, but it wasn't like an instant, oh, no, 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 you know? It was like, well, this is, you know, this is my life now. You know, it's, it's been three months. This is my life. That week, she had come one day to get the kids off the bus, you know, and she, she would do that once in a while. If I didn't have coverage, she would come get the kids off the bus, and she would be here with the kids. <sighs> she saw that wedding picture down. You know, she was like, it's over. She had been sitting in a spot where she wanted to ask for forgiveness, but she was afraid to. And a lot of that had come from her childhood and, you know, many other factors. Not making excuses for her. Just like you mentioned, Matt, society in general has almost accepted the fact that it's relatively normal for men to run around on their wives and then leave the house and that's a normal thing that men do at least more accepted yeah there's a hard time with that because you know not that it's right either way but there's definitely a double standard there for when it happens with a woman i i think i would agree we definitely have double standards she had a pretty serious uh you know a, a come to jesus moment if you will and she was like i don't know what to do you know, and she just, she was in my arms and I said, well, what's, what's going on? And she's like, I don't, she's like, I can't live like this. She goes, I don't, I don't even want to live anymore. And I'm like, okay, 
I'm like, pump the brakes. You know, I mean, that's not, that's not how this is going to go. You're not going to be talking about that kind of stuff when we can do something about it. So long story short, which wasn't the best decision because I didn't know the family history at the time, but at the time it was the best thing I had. You know, I told her, I said, I don't think it's a good idea that you just move right back into our house. I said, I've talked to your parents in the past. I said, and I, th- I think we should move you back into your parents' house and get you out of that situation. Because by that time, the novelty had worn off, you know. Um, she had, you know, essentially been flim-flammed by somebody who talked a big game. And after a very short amount of time, she realized that this guy is a scumbag, you know. So I got her moved back into her parents' house. And her and I took some time uh, to talk with a counselor and without finally after another month i felt like we were in a spot that you know the next the best next best step would be to have her back in the house with the kids was her moving in back into the house with you was that prompted partially not just because you know you're following this path of reconnecting and all that but by that time, had you started to learn about the family history? I didn't know exactly about the family history, but she had disclosed some details about how hard it was to be living with her parents. She was walking around there being judged the whole time. It was not a pleasant environment for somebody who's trying to recover from making a life-changing mistake to be living in. And it was tough. I had a lot of, you know, I had a lot of negative feedback from my friends and hers, you know. Because it all comes down to trust, right? That's the thing that would eat me alive. No BS. I am not jerking you around at all. I am insanely jealous of your ability to do, to be able to forgive at that level. If she goes to work, if she's five minutes late coming home, it would be so hard to be like, what were you doing? That was tricky at first. You know, after some counseling and really realizing what was going on, how we got there, the issues that she had, and un- just understanding how it all happened. And it was a trust issue the whole time, and the, and the issue was, due to things in her childhood, she couldn't trust me to accept anything she was going to say that was negative. And Paul and I are sitting here listening to you going, that seems almost absurd to not be able to trust uh, a word you say, knowing who you are and how you are. It's, it's, that's a hard concept, hard pill for us to swallow. The trust was tough, but I think that the trust is directly related to forgiveness. Yeah. And I don't say that to in in any way, talk badly of her. I think that's further symptomatic of whatever um, trauma she experienced as a child, right? That all that contributed to her programming. Right. And so, while Paul and I will sit here wondering how she couldn't trust you or, or feel like she could approach you. Like you're one of the more approachable people. Yeah. I'd like to think so. (laughs) But then to think about that, she's looking at you going like, I can't, I can't say that. I can't complain about that. I can't raise his attention to that. Yeah. That's what she was living with. And whether she had an issue with it or not, maybe I should have been doing better. In our marriage and not, not to make excuses for, her, you know, but, uh, you know, there's there were things, you know, now that we can communicate now that we communicate correctly, like I'm getting, you know, feedback on the regular, 
it's, it's all easy stuff, you know, instead of her just like not saying anything, it's like, Hey, can you, can you get the kids swim stuff ready? They have swim at school tomorrow. Can you get that ready for me? You know what I mean? You know, she was in a situation where she really felt like she was doing a lot of this stuff on her own. I'm really, I'm curious her perspective now after all this. The stuff in the past, like with you and the affair, stuff like that aside, to kind of get to this realization that this man I've chosen to spend the rest of my life with, to be able to come to you with something and not have any fear. That's a life-changing event for her. That's got to be almost mind-blowing. I always felt like I was giving off those vibes, but I guess, you know, and, and it's like, you know, when people go through childhood, uh, trauma and I and I got to you know at first I was like oh you know yeah you know we all had rough childhoods right some people had what they consider great childhoods but there's a lot of people who went through a lot of things in their childhood you know I've had the unfortunate opportunity to witness it uh, firsthand <laughs> I had to have a 30 minute conversation with her father basically telling him that he's not to you know contact her especially if he's going to say nasty things about her. Which was pretty eye-opening for me, how these people that do that can be sometimes, if that makes sense. Up until that conversation him and I had and the words coming out of his mouth, I had the utmost respect for him. Until he was trashing your wife. Bad. Things that no father should ever say about their daughter, ever. 100%. Makes me mad to think about No matter what is going on. It was pretty alarming. He was like ready to fight over it. And I'm like, you know what? Like physical. Yeah. He wanted to get. Yeah. He was going to get physical. With wow. Him. Yeah. Uh, everybody wants a piece of the big guy, you know? So <laughs> that's not new. I, I don't. Most people in traffic want a piece of the big guy until I step out of the truck. Seems like one of those three hit fights. You hit me. I hit the floor. The ambulance hits 80 I on the really way to just, the hospital. I go out of my way to be nice to people. But anyways, yeah, I had to like cut ties with him. I'm like, no, I said, you need, before you say another word, you need to look in the mirror. And then come to find out she's got four sisters. There's three of them that received the same treatment from their father. She has a half-sister. And through all this, Alicia and her half-sister were able to reconnect. Overall, some of that stuff has actually been helpful for me to be able to get the full picture of what went on when they were younger, you know. But yeah, that's my story. Now we have a wonderful uh, little girl cruising around here. She's cute as a button. I was just gonna ask you about. I was just gonna ask you about that. You you look at this little girl as your oh. own. Like I I don't know. I don't know how you do that, Brian. Oh, I, babies I, are easy I to love. get out of here. Know how you do that? <laughs> get out of here. Babies are easy to love. That's the easiest part of the situation, Paul. Every little kid deserves a chance. Does the bio father have anything to do with her? Less and less as time goes on. That's better for this little girl. Brian's her father. He'll always be her father. Yeah. Yeah. We have her and I, we have too much fun. It's actually kind of funny how my wife always comments on how much more relaxed I am with her, the with this child as compared to my other ones. And I'm like, well, you know, I think it's because I'm a little bit older now. And, you know, you get older and, you know, I don't know. I think babies are little miracles and I just, I just appreciate, unfortunately, and you know, there's, there's a lot of people where that whole pregnancy could have gone a different direction, you know, and this, 
you know, this little girl wouldn't even be here, you know, and that's that's but, freaking but scary. Let's be clear. Uh, you brought back a pregnant wife and you were at the hospital yep. when she bore that child. The hospital I mean, was the easier the situations, Paul. It was the hormones that are the ones that will really drive you nuts. After the fourth one I had, I already had my vasectomy. Um ordered and they, they wanted to do this like uh interview with me i'm like listen i have four kids they're like okay you can skip these yeah. that was what drove me to it i could not handle another pregnant woman could not at all yeah it had its challenges and um i just don't know how you do that man how, how do you do how do you do that I, you just, I, i'm just i'm really like i'm astounded by it still like even hearing it again for i don't know how many times just knowing what you've done what you're doing mm-hmm. with your family you've just like completely look at this child as your own. You completely look at your wife as a different woman. You don't judge her. You don't hold it against her. The result of that is your you can't your younger children may never have a memory of this. You can't. In fact, the six year old by the time it it, it she gets older won't have a memory of this. Yeah. You you've mended a family in a way that no one could possibly ever expect from you. It's just astounding to me, Brian. It, it really is. It's, it sounds a lot harder than it felt. Not to say that there wasn't some hard moments, but... I'm sure there still is. It's not like they're all gone. Yeah, yeah. You, know, no. all of a sudden, yeah, you have like, bad days, you know? for sure. For sure, you have days where you're like, oh, man, why did that happen to me, man? You know? I don't know. You know, none of us are perfect. You know? We're all broken in a fallen world, and you just you're always trying to do... Uh, the best you can just to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. I was never the guy that was at the bar, you know, on Friday nights or whatever, you know, I couldn't be, you know, whenever you're big, everybody wants a piece of you. So you can't, you can't even go out if you want to. It was really hard for me to understand, you know, how that happened to me at the same time. There wasn't a lot of time to understand, you know, you got three kids, you know, all of them are, in school, all of them got activities. And like you mentioned earlier, you were talking, I think it was about three months later and the picture had gone down, but you weren't really waiting for her to come back, nor were you out pursuing anything else because there's no time. There's no time to do that. I live in a very small town. One of the nice things about living in a small town, I've always said this, is that if you don't know what you're doing, that's okay. Everybody else does. You can just ask somebody. I've got a really good friend, and she would, uh, it was was one of my wife's friends. She would just, she was nonstop just running blocker. Don't worry. If you need to find somebody down the road, you'll find somebody. But she goes, just people are going to text you. People are going to call you. They're all thirsty and heartless. You just keep doing you right now. <laughs> you know, that's what she would say. And, um, she was, you know, it was huge to have her, you know, just tell you, you know, this is what you got to do. She would text me and, you know, her husband is the pharmacist. You know, if I needed a prescription or something like that for one of the kids, they were like filling it and dropping it off, you know, just, doing what they could to help out. And yeah, like you said, I wasn't like waiting for her to come back, but I wasn't out looking, you know, I was just trying to figure this thing out, you know? And to whatever degree one would rate this as a tragedy, it's, it's a tragedy. It's a tragic situation, but what's kind of that silver lining, if you will, or what, 
what can be what can be really amazing is you find out who your friends are, who your real friends are. And when you find out how many you have and what they're willing to do for you, like it's yeah, it's it's super humbling. It's hard not to get emotional about when you start thinking about that. I had friends sending out group text messages arranging meetings to figure out Brian's childcare. Yeah. Arranging meetings of 20 people and making schedules. Yeah, my stuff went down close to Christmas, so I had people working together making sure my kids had a great or not great, but a good Christmas. Yeah, and that was huge for that was huge for us too. I had friends trying to minimize the impact. A lot of her friends, you know, kind of became my friends and you know, a lot of her girlfriends, they were angry. It took you know, longer for them to come around if I remember. Like a year longer than Yes. You. Yes, I, most definitely. But you know, it's finally to the point where you know, she's back in those social type things, you know, she's back into going to girls nights and, you know, they go do an escape room or I don't know, whatever girls do when they go do a girls night. I don't know what they do. You know, I got to a point where I realized it was like me and two of her sisters and pretty much that's all she had at that point. You know, my sister Melanie was super supportive of us. She was, she's always been supportive of me, you know, no matter what I'm doing. And, um, my older sister and she, uh, gosh, what a help she was. I just, I just lost her to the state of Virginia. She moved away. Her husband got a different job and I had some good support. You know, when something like that happens, people have to realize it's not over. And if you do decide it's over for you, that's fine too. That's literally the one exception, right? When we're talking scriptural, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's talking about scriptural. There is one specific one that says, except for marital unfaithfulness, it's the only one that there's no question about, you know, being free from that spouse between, you know, our eyes and, and the Lord's is that marital unfaithfulness. Brian was free to do whatever he wanted to do. And yet you took her back and I'm, I'm like, I'm like Googling like verses on forgiveness. So you guys are talking and I know, I, I know there's like tons of good ones, but there's like just a simple one in Proverbs says love prospers when a fault is forgiven. I'm like, yeah, that's like what you did, Brian reciprocated to your wife. What we believe as Christians, what God has done for us. That's exactly what Brian did for his wife. And, and then we see, <laughs> we see the result. We, we see the result of a scriptural truth in front of Brian's life. It was definitely a humbling experience. When Paul asked me if I would be comfortable with talking about this, I obviously told him I had to check with my wife. You know, this is our story. We're not necessarily afraid to share it. I think people get really embarrassed about, you know, their imperfect lives that they live, but this is just our story. Like I said, I was just trying to do the right thing the whole time. That's all you can do. I didn't really, you know, there was no calculated end game for me the whole time. I was just doing the best I could. And I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm most definitely happy that she is back here. This blessing's come in strange ways. This little girl has been unbelievable. That still blows me away. I'm not sure I could do that. Yeah, you could. You'd be fine. It's not your kid. Oh, she sure is. You know, you should see her. Uh, it's freaking we awesome go, that you say it. We like, go for uh, golf cart rides, Paul. I get her up at camp. We have on the I golf know, cart. Man. I don't know how you do. I'm, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, we love it. Every child deserves a good chance. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's not the kid's fault. No, kids don't choose their parents. That's for sure. Make me all teary <laughs> out here, Brian. 
Paul, you're good thing I got these Paul's story about glasses <laughs> that you can't see. Paul's story about his mom that gives me the goosebumps. Before this, I like mildly admired you, <laughs> but now it's more like reverence. I, I have tremendous reverence for you. There was no special intentions at the time. I was just doing uh, what I had laid on my heart to do. That's that's honestly, honest to goodness. Um, it was big time against the grain. You think? <laughs> yeah. That's how you know you're doing something right sometimes, Paul. So I think if you want, I can I can sum my part up in like three minutes. Does that work? Can we do that? You can do whatever you want. This is really your show. I'm just here. I don't want to cut Brian off. I, mean, I don't know if he has anything. I'm good. I've told my story. Yeah. So I was thinking about this, Matt. It's like perfect segue is you're like, she asked for forgiveness, you know? And like, here's the result of one path of forgiveness, which is Brian and where his wife asked for it and he gave it to her, you know? And there's another path too with forgiveness that you can see different results than what you would typically see. And that's one where when that person doesn't, ask for forgiveness and yet you still forgive and so just again not to be preachy this is my mom's story and dad died when i was six months old mom remarried when i was seven to a, a abusive guy many many years uh, i lived under a stepfather with abuse and i have a half brother and sister through that relationship so there's me and my older brother were like we're seven and eight when he she remarries. Long story short, this man, after getting protection from abuse and getting him kicked out of the house and finally ultimately getting a divorce, he ends up with cancer late in life. My mother, who always forgave him through all that, she was just trying to protect her kids. She took care of this man who, who had, I think it was colon cancer or prostate cancer and of course you know in that whole area debilitating and you know he's on his deathbed and like she's like wiping his ass type taking care of him you know and then we all got to watch that as her kids especially her kids who you know that's their father you know my half brother and sister like to watch my mom like forgive this man to the point of cleaning him in the latter years of his life latter months i'm sorry you know in the hospital back at home with hospice and and like she gifted her children in a way that i never thought was even possible you know just because of how much she forgave this man and we all did through that too it like it was healing for our whole family and when i brought that up to brian it was like to show him the end result of of what forgiveness can do for a family and I got to witness that with my own. And I used that as an example for any trying times he might still be going through. Is like, you don't know, Brian, like the end game of this and what you've done. And we're already hearing about that now, like the, the fruits of that. And so anyway, I, I brought that up to Brian and I, I shared that with him and what my mom did. It was just like profound and amazing. And, and this is from a man who never asked for forgiveness. I had the goosebumps just, on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. You know, there, there's hope too for for us that need to do that you know to forgive someone who's harmed us and hurt us because i think when we don't it ends up like ruling our lives in ways that we don't want it to it's almost like a cancer you know that you can't let go mm -hmm. of, you know when you when you can't forgive and, and forgiveness we we have this kind of weird idea i think in our minds of forgiveness in that we feel like oh you know 
let me give you a hug. I'm sorry. And I think that's like ingrained with us with our parents. It's like when we were kids and we get in a fight with like a sibling, it's like, oh, give each other a <laughs> hug, say you're sorry. So it's like ingrained in our minds. Like that's what forgiveness means is come here, let me give you a hug. And no, it's not. It's like I release you of this wrong that you did to me because I'm not going to let this thing rule my life. And, and that's what we're, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. And, and that's what, what I got to witness with, with my mom and my whole family. And, you know, got to see it through you, Brian, through this crazy, crazy story that you shared with us, with your, your wife and your family. And I just, I feel like you've like literally saved a family. Like it's pretty, pretty awesome that you have three little ones too, that their lives are forever impacted by what you've done yeah whether they know it or not yeah i never really thought about that but that is that is a side effect of that is that yeah they get to you know grow up in a traditional type household and you know there's advantages to that and showing that type of and your kids may never know but showing that type of forgiveness is impactful yeah. for a family like uh, as i'm talking about my mother and if you knew the story of me and my brother and my half brother and my half sister and like all four of us were all balanced and we're all doing well and i look back at my mom and and what she did through the turmoil and through the abuse and through the the hard times that she was like that rock for us, it affected our, all of our lives. And, and you've done that for your, for your own kids, including one. It's not even, yeah, your own, yeah. but, but it is, yeah. that's four kids. Everybody tells me it's a big deal. I guess, I guess some of it's a big it deal. It is a big but, deal. You know, it is a big deal. I just, uh, it is a big deal. Proud to know yeah. you. <laughs> I was real happy that you mentioned something about this. Cause I'm not afraid to share Anything I've gone through in my life, if it can help somebody out, you know, everything's different for everybody. You know, people choose different paths. But in the end, I think the forgiveness is key. I kind of like remember like roughly the week where I was like, you know what? Like, I'm done. Like, I'm not holding this. We're not holding this overhead. It's this is done. Dude, the weight lifted off me was unbelievable. When you carry that around on you it, it wears on you whether whether you think it does or not it's it's wearing on you all the time when you've got somebody that you're angry with yeah. you know yeah and it can fester it festers and then it grows into anger and then that then bad things yeah happen, you become you grumpy know? and old yeah. and everything else and well and then you also affect your kids yeah. you know and that's what we that's what we see brian we see when this happens the father goes nuts if if we would paint this in a different yeah, light yeah without the father goes nuts goes on social media bashes the mother yeah all the time unfortunately i know a couple then, going through that then, right now and i already messaged then what happened you know the kids said, the kids man yeah i'm proud of you i know a couple going that. through that right now and i already I'm, messaged them i said dude you need to take you need to, to take two steps back and breathe and you're everything will be fine just take two steps back and breathe you know not everybody's you, slow to stir, you man. slow to stir they say it would translate into future relationships your, your future relationship with your wife if you didn't forgive her it, there's no way it could work obviously and that seems obvious you know arguably she's at least to a degree a different person to have learned more about herself and how that's affected adult decision making it's been a huge learning experience for both of us 
Like, obviously, I'm not happy that I went through that. The learning experience itself, the whole experience, there has been positives to the whole experience. Absolutely. If it would have went to a different relationship, if you didn't forgive her, the stuff is going to translate into the new relationship. That would have been toxic, toxic for your kids. Obviously, I can't speak to like it going the other way because it didn't for me. I was almost going to say, no matter how that turns out, you know, say that we weren't together anymore. Um, I would argue that that forgiveness might still be just as important. You know, you could choose not to stay, but at some point in time, you do have to choose to forgive or else it just, it will continue to weigh on you, I think. I think I see that in some people. Some people that I know that have been through some stuff that they've chosen not to forgive for one reason or another, which is understandable. This stuff is relatively traumatic, right? Even if it's years after the separation, I think that it can be a benefit to somebody if they chose to forgive which is nuts for some people, I understand, 100%. but... But it's 100% true. It's like taking a freaking uh, precision you know, scalpel, a, a doctor's tool, and cutting out something that's like giving you sickness. Yeah. It's like literally, it's literally removing it from yeah. you is what it is. Yeah, I think that. I know that if I didn't give that whole thing away, you know, if I didn't just decide, you know what, I am done, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this anger anymore... I would go find it in my phone to read it verbatim, but it was such a long time ago. I don't know if I can find it, but um, it was actually one of her girlfriends had written me a text message. You know, she was having a hard time forgiving my wife and um, about how one day she had realized that it had turned her into a negative person. She wasn't going to live angry anymore. And that was like the day. Like July something this past summer was like the day that Tanya decided that she was done holding a grudge and she was forgiving, you know, because she couldn't live like that anymore. You know, so even people, even stuff that's less serious, you know, I just, that's just an example. When I was 19, I met Kristen, my wife now, it's like 30 years ago, this coming January. Um, I knew I didn't want to bring this anger into into my relationship with her and I went through counseling for that. It was a Christian counselor and like, you know, of course I grew up that way, but I, I ran from all that for a long time and I valued the biblical principles, but I told the guy day one, I'm like, listen, man, you preach to me, I'm out. <laughs> so I just want, you help me with this anger, you know? And, but in the end he told me like, this is probably like a year in and forgiveness was the key, the final piece to, not bringing this baggage with me. Yeah. You know, forgiveness of my stepfather, regardless of whether he asked for it or not. It was really weird, man. It was hard. It was hard to do, but it was just something that was really everything, not holding on to it. You know, those things still creep up. My, you know, I still have these internal reactions. Sure. With my kids. Sure. When the kids spill milk, you know, I'll be like, I'll bark at them, you know, because that's the way it was for me. You know? Sure. I would get beat for it, but uh, that that's still in there. But like letting all that go, it was just huge, man. Was- yeah. Then there's, I, that's another important, just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean that every day is going to be a good day. No, but it was, key. Memories, it was key you in know. your family. It was key in what you did. You have a family because you did, Brian. You know what I mean? You have a family, right? Your kids have a mother and father right now because you did. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's direct results of 
putting someone else above yourself. It, it's just something that like this, we need more of in this world, man, just in general, you know, whether you believe what we believe or not, just the fact that you, if you can put someone else's needs and wants above your own, you know, just for a second, even, I can, you know, what, what an awesome place this could be. I can tell you for sure that if you open that book and you read a little bit, you do have an unfair advantage on figuring your life out. <laughs> I can tell you that for <laughs> sure. That. Um, 100%. Don't listen to all your friends who are like, ah, F her. You know, she's not worth a a nothing. You know, Uh, that voice is way too common. That's the one that we all hear all the time. It doesn't matter. There's other paths that that have better options. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, society's disposable. We've made so many things disposable, not just products, but relationships. Society doesn't even wait that long anymore not to try to imply or predict what went on, but it's almost like the same thing when they're, they're at work with someone or hanging out with somebody a lot and pouring their heart out. Society's doing the same thing. Like, Oh, you deserve better. I can't believe he treats you that way. Society does that. Your friends do that. Like, you know, the, the wife flipped out because I left the toilet seat up again. Oh dude, you didn't sign up for that. Really, she's going to flip out about that? What else is she going to flip out about? Are you ready to spend the rest of your life living like that? Dude, there's so many There's so many fish in the sea. I had enough people that were on the positive side that were supportive to, to kind of offset all the negative, you know? So that definitely worked out. My Paul being one of them, you know, that definitely, Paul and I talked a lot during that. I've seen the forgiveness story in firsthand, so it was it was yeah. easy to walk you through your steps and you know whether what she did was irrelevant when we were talking at that time. It was it was about your kids. It was about yeah. doing what you needed to do to you know be the father you needed to be for them, mm-hmm. and you know look and look what happened. It doesn't always go that way. Though. No, you know, it's, it's not like the recipe. You know what we're talking about isn't. I don't. I want to make that clear. That That's why I prefaced it in the beginning. Is, that this is what you do, and if you do this, your life's gonna be. Yeah. Good, you know. Yeah. Live your best life now. Like that's that's a bunch of BS. Yeah. So I just want to want to be clear on that. Like this is not like the recipe to follow, and here's the result. It's gonna be. I believe this is the recipe for everything. However. I believe the result for everyone will be different. Certainly, and it's in, it's internal sometimes for people where the external never changes. Mm-hmm. It's still the same thing. It's still the same problem day after day. But it's how you deal inside and how you feel inside that absolutely hundred percent. I could say for sure that forgiveness will provide that. There's parallels to other episodes we've done with like substance use disorder and. Even when things are smooth, seem like they're smooth sailing, sometimes it's still a good idea to pull somebody aside and say, how's everything going? It's worth looking into a little more because like you're saying, that communication thing, uh, we get, we hear about communication so often you almost get immune to the, the term and what it means. It's a word that doesn't mean anything anymore because it's so overused. And there is a proper way to communicate and it's not complicated, but for her, it just wasn't natural. And for me, I was I wasn't asking the questions either. I saw so I saw no negative feedback, so I was making assumptions, you know. And there's only so much you can do, anyways, right? Because the reality is, the relationship's going to work out because the both of you want it to. If either one of you, one or the other, wants out, 
there's really no saving it. So you could have asked her for an honest, no BS assessment. If she didn't give it to you, what are you going to do? You know, you can dig so long and vice versa. If she's senses something's, you know, there's a disturbance in the force and she's kind of riding your case a little bit. Like, is everything all right? Are you okay? Are we okay? If you don't tell her, there's not a whole lot she's going to do. So the reality is, is, you know, talk. (laughs) I don't know. Now, after what I've been through, I'm thankful for the communication. Even if it's, you know, it's like uh, complaining about how the kids got all hopped up on Jolly Ranchers and, you know, we're running laps around the house. I'm like, hey, man, I'm like, where the Jolly Ranchers at? I'll take them to work. (laughs) No problem. You know, whatever you need. It's definitely changed my perspective on a lot of things. I think I used to be a little bit meaner of a person because I never understood what anybody was going through, maybe. And I think it's definitely... uh, helps me grow as a person to realize that, you know, not everything's all pixie sticks and fairy dust for everybody all the time, you know? Is that what it was for you before this? It time? was. It was all pixie sticks and fairy dust, Paul. Yeah, I, I just can't thank you enough for being so open and honest and just kind of bearing all. It's, it's I don't, I, you know, I don't even know how to qualify it. It's humbling and, and thank you, Paul, for being a really good friend and reaching out to me about stuff and about this as an episode, but just other stuff. You're a tremendous human being too. Just not quite as tremendous as Brian. Brian's cooler. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I hope everyone listening can take something from this. And, uh, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of takeaways from this and I'm so appreciative. Like I said in the beginning, I hope that people understand that it's just my story, which might not be the same as somebody else's. You know, that's all. Matt, thanks for making uh, this platform available for us for this. I know this is not really car stuff and kind of a little different, but, you know, there was some car stuff in there. I did preface like how a shop owner should uh, like treat his cat. (laughs) So there's that one, there's that one tidbit that uh, does apply. my, My shop owner was very good through all that and continues to be very good to me, which is the reason that I haven't left New York state. But thanks Matt for doing this with us. And, and I appreciate it. I want to hear more of your story. I was, I was captivated by what I heard and I want to hear more of it. And I'd like to sit down and and do that with you sometime. Maybe we can, maybe we can make that happen. Yeah, definitely. I'll be the moderator. I'll be interviewing you. How's that? Carm. When we talked about this, uh, he asked me what I wanted it to be about, and I honestly said whatever I feel like. Really, the technology of vehicles is a passion of mine. It's also, we have people, we have human beings that make up this profession, and there's so many things that interest me about the human condition as well. The labor of the human beings are literally the pizzas we sell, right? Just hoping listeners get stuff out of it. I, I really do. I, I Whatever it may be, whether it's... Brian's story about forgiveness or the substance use disorder stuff or finding silver linings and what seems to be all bad situations. I've enjoyed the human nature stuff on your podcast as much or possibly even more than the actual, you know, car type stuff. You know, I mean, a lot of people are literally going through this stuff. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about substance use disorders. If we knew how many top performing type people were struggling with a substance abuse disorder, I think the general public would be a little bit alarmed. It's kind of like that episode with um, Margaret Light. 
we have a higher than normal rate of suicide in our profession than many, many other professions. And there's underlying causes to that. I, I was, yeah, the vacuum lines on a 2017 <laughs> 6.7 power stroke. That's the cause. Some contributing factors are relationships outside of the of work, our personal relationships and coping mechanisms that we've learned over time. And the only way you're going to learn about them or know about them or think about them is to talk about them. And I, I like doing that. I've always thought one of the uh, driving forces towards dysfunction in our industry is the, uh, you know, the massive amount of uh, debt people incur with tooling. I, in July of 2018, decided I wasn't going to carry a balance on a tool truck anymore. But anyways, I think that that's one contributing factor. You know, finances are often a contributing factor with suicide stuff, right? Like people feel like they're in a hole they can't get out of. Well, if the dude's in 25 grand on the 24% snap-on truck, guess what? Freaking guy could be driving a brand new diesel, but he's got it tied up into his freaking toolbox, busting his knuckles on cars. Are you kidding me? See that, Matt? This definitely needs to be another podcast. Like <laughs> the way Brian just put that, this de- that definitely needs to be. That's me, about. Paul. I, I'm like, I don't, Paul, I have I a brand new diesel. I'm, you I'm, drove it. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but <laughs> you don't have a 25 percent. No, no, truck no, no. Guy, Bill, you know what I mean? Like some of these guys, dude, that's ridiculous. That that's insane. Look, I've been shielded from this. I've been in a classroom for 20 years, I've, so I don't have oh, to worry about. Oh, I have, you know, what I, I have 24 year old guys working for us that I've walked out on the truck and dragged them off. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Napa for sponsoring. And thank you to CARM for making this uh, all possible through the Aftermarket Radio Network. Uh, until next time, everyone, uh, take care. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.